Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, Danny Champion. This is my little independent music industry, music business podcast, where I chat to a whole host of different and interesting individuals throughout the music industry about their jobs, about their journey through the music industry, about their motivation, and anything else that comes up in our conversations. Uh, this first episode back after a, an interesting year, which was 2020, um, is with Chantelle Epp of Click and Clear. Click and Clear is her music licensing business. Um, we talked about music licensing, we talked about her journey through music and talked about different types of music uses in different areas of the business and in a slightly different areas of the business when it comes to secondary exploitation and pseudo synchronization that sort of stuff we talked about setting up businesses which she's done a few times now and a whole host of other bits and pieces including what she does with competitive cheerleading and things like that it was a really interesting chat really appreciate Chantel getting involved with the pod and as always I'm going to shut up so you can listen to what you've come here to listen to which is my conversation with Chantel of Click and Clear. I'm going to kind of get the, the elephant in the room out of the way a little bit. How are you getting on with life running a business in lockdown or various yeah. levels of tears? that, that yeah. we are in at the moment it's all a bit confusing isn't it yeah yeah somewhat I try not to t touch too much on this because it dates it a little bit um, but yeah. I'm always keen to find out how things are going at the moment so yeah, yeah. how are you finding I it I think for us when lockdown first happened back in March like it it didn't really affect us too much because we were already a remote working business we mm -hmm. always and have always had the sort of remote working ethos and will continue to be a remote working company. Um, so there wasn't really a change for us. And I actually loved it the first three months, not gonna lie. I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I was traveling all around the world for the past two years, spent more than 50% of each year out of the country. Okay. And I was a bit sleep deprived <laughs> and uh, just utterly exhausted from traveling. and. As much as I really miss it now, those first three months allowed me to really focus. And we were preparing for an official launch in the summer of our new licensing platform. Mm -hmm. And so I just got to focus, be really heads down, working on, on all that we were working on. Um, but the last couple of months, I'm a bit like, I think I'm kind of ready to uh, get back out there again. I'm missing conferences. Um, yep. attended a conference earlier this week and that just again reminded me how much I, I miss seeing people mm -hmm. having, you know, com random conversations. Um, but other than that, you know, it's, it's been okay. Our market was drastically affected because we deal with sports and sports don't exist, <laughs> but they're all turning to virtual. And that's, that's a really interesting space for us because we do have the rights to assist those federations and actually they're running into even more challenges mm -hmm. 
when it comes to running their competitions online because of music of the music rights issues. And so it's it's actually been a really good opportunity for us to properly engage in those conversations and it's the right time for them to implement these changes because mm -hmm. there's so many changes they're having to make across the board. So can you, it's not hard to make another change. Can you outline a little a few some of those things because obviously from a sports perspective I don't I lose count of the amount of football podcasts I listen to and things like that. So I'm fairly up on certain things, but obviously it's good to get a bit of a of an idea of the the things that you're hearing and the conversations that you're having from your perspective. Yeah, so we focus on performance sports and or, or rhythmic sports. And <laughs> um, performance sports are sports where music is intrinsic to the routine. So dance, gymnastics, figure skating, cheerleading. They literally can't compete or perform without their music. It doesn't yep. make nearly as much sense. Um, and so they've all very much put things on hold. I know in cheerleading, they've now canceled European championships, which is due to happen um, in the summer. They've canceled the European League. Um, and there's a, you know, a number of events that have been canceled in France. They haven't even been able to run, even train um, in uh, the country so it's been a real challenge for them all and they've had to really kind of take a step back and figure out well how can we give these kids something to work towards and a competition that they can participate in yeah uh, and so virtual's really been their solution to that problem and what that really involves is teams kind of recording themselves in their own gym or wherever wherever they are yeah uh, and then submitting that for others to judge and then that gets sort of live streamed in in one show mm -hmm. almost and that's all happening online and as i said they're running into rights issues and is it are these sports that are you know they're not what the the mass market would consider like top tier you know you're not gonna you don't see that sort of stuff on bbc or even on sky or anything like that so is there is the funding still there is it kind of are they on a bit of a are they teetering on the edge a little bit at the moment like a lot of those kind of sort of niche areas of of the creative industries media industries and sport industries are yeah it's really hard you know the the sports that we're dealing with they're not footballs they're not american football yeah. they're not even cricket you know these sports have a lot of corporate funding Whereas the sports that we're dealing with, some of them are Olympic recognized, like gymnastics, mm -hmm. others aren't Olympic recognized yet. They might have provisional status like cheerleading, um, parts of dance sport now breaking recently got recognized in the Olympics. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of, yeah, as you say, lower tier sports, they're not out there as much, but they're really wanting to grow their online presence. And whilst I'm saying they're small, they're actually huge. Yeah, oh, yeah, well. gotcha. Yeah. So you my, know? my wife, uh, up until last year, played roller derby. Yeah. And so I'm very averse in the fact that it's not on television, but YouTube channels and the whole online world of accessing, yeah. you know, watching the, the live events and things like that. So I guess that's where, that's the kind of thing where you, you guys step in and yeah, can help out. Online. And, online is just so important you know for these for these smaller sports some mm -hmm. of them do have tv coverage like cheerleading was on espn for so for so long um and of course gymnastics everyone knows gymnastics yeah. is probably the biggest one of them all um but yeah most of them are, are kind of wanting to grow their their presence online and 
now is a really good opportunity for them to start focusing on that. So when you were setting up, well, all kind of, there, there was, a, I kind of had a, a thought process, but we've already gone off piece, so that's fine. <laughs> um, when you set up your current business, and we will come loop back around to a little bit more of the nitty gritty there, why or where did your head, or how did you get your head into this area, this quite niche area of music in this space? Was it was it because of your background and your involvement in cheerleading and that led you down this path? Or did you sit down there and really think, okay, well, if I, I, want, I want to do, you know, I've got a background in music and licensing, but everybody's kind of doing this at the moment. Is there a, is there a gap in the market? Was, was, was there a strategy involved at all? Yeah, um, it's actually both of those things, to be honest. Nice. Uh, I was really in the right place at the right time with the right knowledge and background. Uh, I was, yeah, I studied music <laughs> at university, always wanted to be in the music industry. That was the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, fell into cheerleading at university, um, fell in love with the sport and continued it on. And it was there where I was then asked to start creating music mixes to accompany our routines. For competition and one of my lecturers suggested that as i was doing that i started a company around that as well um, and as i was doing that he suggested that i should go into music supervision when i left university so to support myself in creating that company synergy sounds i then went into music licensing uh, into the sync world and i worked for a company called q songs and commie uh, and the gang yeah, Commie and the gang, yep. definitely. Great time. Um, and so worked with worked with Commie, very much supported him uh, in, in licensing and finding music. And they were, of course, very much focused on online digital world. We actually did a lot of sports channels, which mm-hmm. was quite interesting, which at the time, you know, or more recently, I've kind of realized how that's kind of influenced what I do now in okay. a way. Um, but yeah, so then that company sadly went into administration in 2016, later got um, got bought out. But when that company went into administration, uh, a major label sued cheerleading. And so I was out of a job and my sport had directly been sued and I knew I could create a solution to the problem. Wow. So I just went from there, really. I mean, I absolutely loved working at Q Songs. I was devastated. I spent six weeks really just figuring my life out. Um, And I'd also just got a mortgage and everything too. So it really couldn't have been worse time. I got a puppy um, (laughs) at that point in time. And uh, yeah, I just kind of went from there. I supported myself by finding other work. My uh, cheer music business, Synergy Sounds, was also able to support me somewhat. And I just started reaching out to labels and publishers about a year later when I'd really kind of created a solid business plan and got all the legal agreements together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about a year of planning um, okay. and working for other companies. I basically had four jobs at one point. Nice. Um, was working for Q Songs, Enhanced Music, my own cheer music company, and starting Quick and Clear. I'm fascinated by the idea of a of a record label suing a sport. 
Can you give me a bit of background into what happened there? Yeah, I probably can't talk too much. Obviously, about not the specifics it. or anything like that. Yeah, for confidentiality reasons. Yeah, but yeah. Um, what was happening in cheerleading and m most other performance sports is they edit and adapt music. So mm -hmm. changing tempo, adding sound effects, voiceovers, and creating a unique mix to accompany routines. So it's kind of like a, almost like a DJ mashup or remix yep. of music, you know, four or five different songs, sometimes more depending on the sport. And so they were doing that without, of course, seeking permission from the artists and adaptation rights are actually quite sensitive. Mm -hmm. you, you typically have to get approval from the artists and the writers. Yep. Um, and so Sony basically sued for that. They sued for the infringement of the adaptation rights that music producers working on behalf of teams uh, were, were infringing on. Okay. And since then, you're kind of coming in to make sure that there's a solution in, in, in here uh, and, and reaping the benefits, let's say. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity to improve the way that licensing works in music. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of lost opportunity from the way that it currently works. And people are starting, like rights holders are starting to see that and be more open to the idea of pre-clearing music. Um, quite a challenge for us, you know, pre-clearing adaptation rights. You know, it's not sync. There's an element of sync in what yep. we do. but our main priority is the adaptation rights and so that's been an interesting challenge to overcome um but there are you know there's a lot there's a lot more opportunity in these untapped markets where we really feel like we can be a value add yeah, you know yeah. rights holders aren't in the performance sports market and there's other markets that they aren't in as well which they just don't have the capability to monetize you know they you kind of need that aggregated platform to help in licensing these more unusual rights for these, I guess, unusual use cases. Are you finding your conversations with the rights owners, you, you mentioned that they're kind of coming around to it, are those conversations becoming easier now that there's so many little opportunities for them out there and it's not just as simple as licensing a track for a film or an advert, it's actually thinking a little bit more laterally about these things and about being open to to blanket deals of sorts in this area yeah. are those are those conversations kind of happening quicker and easier i wouldn't say quicker because <laughs> the larger labels and publishers they just they have their process and it takes two and a half to three years but and I think actually, if we were doing something that everyone else was doing, it would it would be far easier. Yeah. But we haven't. I wouldn't say it's been a huge challenge to get people on board because any time we reach out to a rights holder, they're like, "This is a really interesting idea. I'd never thought of this. Well, why wouldn't we do it?" You know. So is people they they jump on board, and we've signed, you know, over five hundred and thirty labels and publishers now. Okay. And it is. I mean, yes, the speed at which people are jumping on board is increasing because we're just, people are more aware of what we're doing. Um, but we've always, I feel fortunate because we've always just had people so open to working with us. And I really do think it's because we are such a value add and we're doing something that they are not doing. It is a genuine new revenue stream yeah, yeah, yeah. into. And with COVID, 
um, happening too, that that just increases their interest almost. Are you are you involved in the curation of the songs so on the song side of things at all? So when you're when you're looking at like pre-clearing things with your labels, have you got you know have you got like a carte blanche of the of the tracks that within those catalogues, or are you talking with the the people who are using the music and saying you can use this stuff and you can't use this stuff are you involved on both sides of it or are you just kind of saying here you go here's here's the music that you've got available turn it into what you need it need it to be yeah so i mean we we generally have blankets in place so we we get everything um and our rights management database matches the label and publishing information together so the music that we have on in the back end significantly more than the music that's available on the, the front end on the licensing platform. Okay. Um, and there is an element of curation. Like we do curation in terms of playlisting and pushing certain tracks out to people and, you know, promoting the catalog directly to the end users. Mm -hmm. But we, you really, you never really know what someone's looking for. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And most of the time, these people are used to searching Spotify or YouTube and just finding any kind of weird, unusual thing that they feel is going to be extra creative for what they're trying to do with their routines. So for us, it's more important having a wide selection okay. of music from, uh, you know, from every country, really. It's not like they're, they're going straight to the charts and finding the most up-to-date stuff then it's it's more about the the sound the you know being more creative with the music as opposed to just going right those are the five most popular tracks at the moment then yeah it's a bit of both you know there's always the people who just want the latest hits and that's that's great um but there's also and i think it depends on the sport as well there's also sports where you know they're wanting some kind of song from the 40s or 50s which is rock and roll kind of um swing music right you know so and it, it really yeah depends on the sport as to what they're looking for like jump rope they're very much more after hip-hop and pop whereas some divisions of dance sport are after swing and rock and roll have you have you looked into the the world of like competitive ballroom dancing and stuff like that yeah that's all under that will all be under the dance sport and yeah, yeah. so you're kind of in that world okay. yeah multiple different divisions within dance sport we kind of have to start start somewhere it's, that's yeah it's 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 so fascinating when you kind of you know you, you think of you know secondary exploitation i guess and you know my background is mainly in in music for advertising and so you start at those those high you know the the high rolling areas and then yeah, it's all about all the little minutiaries of it, and it's yeah, I'm I'm one of those people that you kind of go, yeah, of course, of course, there's a need for that. Why wouldn't there be? And why wouldn't it be really creative and an amazing place for for the music industry to go? Yeah, sure, this is a, this is awesome. And so yeah, it's 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 kind of great that that you kind of you found the the gap in the market, I guess. You mentioned that you do you did uh, music at university. So, what is your particular musical background, 
uh, do you, are you from a performance background? Uh, are you a musician yourself? What's what what plays on Spotify at the weekend in in your house? Um, kind of, I've kind of come from a bit of everything. So, I guess I started music when I was four years old. Um, I learned to play piano. I've learned violin. Um, I did singing. Um, I taught myself guitar. So with piano and violin, I went up to grade, went up to grade eight on piano, grade seven violin, grade seven and singing. Then I taught myself guitar. Um, and, you know, at school kind of growing up, I was part of every single school choir, chamber choir, orchestra, string group, whatever it was, I was always involved in music. Um, so that I guess was as a performer. Um, I also later went into musical theater for a bit. Okay which I loved. Um, that was one of my kind of favorite experiences in the music world, I guess. Um, but then when I went off to university, I kind of got introduced to music production. Uh, it also covered performing and business, but music business was always where I wanted to be. I actually thought I wanted to go into music law, um, okay. but then I didn't want to read documents all the time. <laughs> but here I am basically running a legal company that <laughs> reads large agreements all the time i don't know i think i think you found the the wonderful area in the middle that has a, yeah. a strong creative bit and a, a bit of juicy administration in there as well yeah exactly i mean i still get to listen to the music and you know sometimes curate playlists or listen to someone else's playlist so i yeah it's, it's a nice mix um but yeah i guess that was kind of my background so i've i've touched on really all areas of the business mm -hmm. um of, of the business of, of music I guess you could say. And what's your, what's your musical jam? I love quite a wide range of things. That's not so allowed. So my workouts. Well, you know, I feel like I have to be <laughs> quite open with the company that I'm running here. Yeah. Um, but for sort of working out, I love dubstep, specifically female vocal dubstep. Okay. Uh, and for just sort of chilling, I love my singer-songwriter um, kind of music. Ben Howard, I absolutely love his stuff. Ned Sheeran, you know, mm -hmm. classic. Um, and then outside of that, I do love a good old pop track, cheesy pop track, you know, to really get me excited. Are you, um, is, is there an element of A&R in what you're doing? Are you making sure that you are up to speed with what's going on, uh, you know, from a, from a trend perspective so you can jump on those trends and you know what who the hot artists are and where where they're coming from so maybe you can get in there early to offer the right people the right the right music before it comes out and all that sort of stuff yeah for sure between me and my my team um we're keeping an eye out on all the trends like i actually listen to the billboard hot 100 every week to make sure i'm keeping up to date with which artists are hitting it big over there I look at the UK official charts as well. Um, and we keep an eye on the independent network. You know, we're, we're friends of uh, AIM, Association of Independent Music, mm -hmm. and we get updates with uh, their newsletters and kind of keep an eye on their independent community and, and who's sort of making it, um, making it big right now. So we really do sort of jump on that. and. Every week we sort of have a marketing meeting together to have a chat about what's going on with music, who are the people that everyone's talking about, 
what sort of really big shows are going on, who's doing stuff for big advertising campaigns even, and are going to get, you know, raise some visibility. So yeah, we, we really do our best to, to keep an eye on what's going on and make sure we're promoting that so we can continue to pro promote that artist, but also just let people know the sort of high caliber of music that we have to offer. Are you, what, what's, what's, what's happening at the moment that you're really liking from a musical perspective? Um, there's a lot of hip hop and I used to really love hip hop. Eminem was always my favorite. Eminem and 50 Cent were always my favorite too. <laughs> hip-hop artists i used to listen to it a lot less so now um uh -huh. i can only kind of handle it in short bursts but what i really love about hip-hop is it really tackles a lot of the world's issues okay um you know it, it talks about politics and it, it talks about racial discrimination and the billboard hot 100 when i last listened to it um last week i was like wow there's a lot of what's going on in the world right now is being talked about here. And I feel like that's really important. And I think that's what I really love about what's happening in the charts right now. Yeah. Um, and what's specifically happening in hip hop, because those are really important conversations to be had. And the best way of kind of telling that story is, is through music. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your time at QSong, yeah. uh, about what they did there, because it kind of dovetails a little bit where, where, where you went, because they, they were looking at the idea of licensing and, and secondary areas that songs can be earning money. Um, I remember having meetings with Ed back in the day when I was at Peer Music and being really struck by, you know, just, just kind of, yeah, of course, the online world is, is massive. and we need to do something about it. And it's it's still a conversation that we're having yes. with all the YouTube stuff and the the EU copyright directive stuff and all the stuff at the moment about, you know, how much songs are earning via streaming platforms. It's, you know, that's a conversation that's been happening for like seven years or something ridiculous. Um, so I'm curious about your, your time there. Um, how was it in a company? that was starting up and, and also how it was a company that had the best intentions that didn't quite, didn't quite manage to get over the lump that is in front of a lot of companies like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I absolutely loved working at that company. It was great to be exposed to sort of that startup culture. It was really the first experience I had working with developers as well. Um, and I absolutely love building tech and right. working with developers is probably my most favorite part of my job now. Um, but yeah, Q songs. I mean, I kind of started off working, I guess, as a junior creative. I tagged a lot of music. I listened and tagged to a lot of music. Um, so thankfully, I don't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I worked on sort of some projects I kind of later on just took initiative to start reaching out to more production companies because I was like business needs to do better we need to make more money how can we do that well let's start contacting these advertising agencies and these production companies to tell them about what we're doing um so I kind of got into that a bit and shifted a bit more over to business development sort of naturally as opposed to just being on pure like music creative um 
helped Commie with, you know, music supervision stuff and clearing music and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of evolved more into that business development role. Uh, and then, and then I'll never forget, Commie told me, you're going to have to start talking to YouTube influencers. I was like, what? But yeah, you're going to need to become like an expert on like fashion or something, <laughs> lifestyle channels and all of that. And I was like, oh my goodness. Well, that's not really me, but sure. <laughs> we'll give that a go. I can become some expert on like fashion and lifestyle. Yep. Um, and uh, I started reaching out to famous YouTubers. And I went to VidCon, which was the best experience at a conference I've ever had. It was phenomenal, um, absolutely phenomenal conference. And I, I highly recommend that everyone takes the opportunity to go at least once, because it is something like no other. What is it? So ex explain. VidCon is a video is. conference, yep. hence VidCon, um, for famous YouTubers. <laughs> um, so you've got famous YouTubers and you've got fans of YouTubers and they're all you know talking about being YouTube, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, went to some really interesting parties. I just met some very interesting people. Um, but I absolutely loved it. It was just really, really good fun. Um, so yeah, kind of shifted a bit more from production companies to working with YouTubers because Q songs, they were kind of focused on a number of different things. They were focused on, um, branded content, music supervision, you know, kind of doing stuff on a case by case, yep. then they really wanted to tackle that YouTube market. And the administration, it came at such an awful time because we were so close to doing some really, really good deals. And mm. I was devastated. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've interviewed Paul from Licked, but Licked then went up, uh, Paul then set up Licked to create that YouTube solution right. that Q Songs was trying to at the time and he's doing very well with that um and then q songs got bought by another company and i actually did return to them a couple of days a week yeah and yeah. but but since since then the youtube you know youtube as a platform's kind of exploded you've also got on top of lit you've got companies like artlist yeah. that are let's go with aggressively marketing on there at the moment how do you what do you think about that whole world and the uh i guess the tricky uh the tricky ecosystem that it is of of creators and music and music getting paid correctly and but you know wh where do you think that's going to go you know, without obviously being able to just sort it all out i'm just curious as someone with with experience in that space and your opinions on it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like had I been in the industry about, I don't know, 15 years ago when YouTube was kind of getting started, I'd have recommended that they didn't go down the route that they went in terms of rights holders working with YouTube. I think there was a much different, much better model than the one that they're currently on that would have been more beneficial for artists and writers and just the industry as a whole. Yep. Because what we've now done is we've told everyone, yeah, you can just upload your music on here. People will claim it. We're going to get money about it, but you just basically get to use it for free. And we're not really educating people that music costs money. Mm -hmm. What we've now done is said, yeah, you can just use it for free. You just can't 
make any money from it. And so that then made all the professional YouTubers who actually make the money on YouTube not use popular music because, well, now I can't use that music. I'm just going to have to find something else that's better, not better. That's that I can use to make much cheaper. (laughs) That sounds about the same that I can then um, use on my platform and and not risk losing money. Mm -hmm. And ultimately i truly believe and i see this every day with with the market that we're working in people don't want to infringe on copyright i mean we've seen it with spotify yes okay you've got those streaming farms and all that but people the majority of people don't want to infringe on copyright they want to do it the right way but sadly we as an industry have facilitated infringement by not giving them access to music in an affordable way or Mm -hmm. in an easy way you know, the fact that people have to call people up or do a bunch of research and can't even find who owns the song makes it an incredible feat. So they just give up and they're like, well, I'll just use it anyway. I mean, I know rights holders who have actually even told people, I'll just use it, it's fine. And, and I'm guessing that's that kind of built in to part of what you wanted to offer with Click and Clear is that you wanted yeah. to go, that this needs to be easy to use. It needs to be, you know, it, it, it needs to be automated. It needs to be something that's just there for the users to use because they're churning out the content and they're churning out the uses so quickly that there's just not the opportunities to have it on a, on a case-by-case, phone-call-by-phone-call basis. Yeah, it's really not feasible for anyone. I mean, in our market, one big sport can need over 10 million licenses in a year. I mean, our market is worth $2.4 billion in annual untapped revenue. That's right about 10% of current global revenue for the music industry. And when you compare music to film and TV or the gaming industry, there's a $100 billion gap in revenues. Yet gaming uses music, film and TV uses music. So how can it be that there's a $100 billion gap? And I honestly believe it's because we haven't been taking the right approach to licensing and we've been ignoring a number of different like usages or markets because we haven't been able to provide a solution to the problem and so for me with click and clear you know i set up click and clear to create a solution and you know it takes into the complexities of who owns what in different countries you know, we manage sub-publishing, we, can, we manage the master rights in different countries. We've got a really complex rights management system that handles that. And so the licensing platform, you can even filter by the rights that are available with, even within our sport. So with, with the sports, they, they can license the sort of standard adaptation rights to create their mix. But then, of course, with virtual competitions, we're going to need the online sync rights for that. Uh, or the video on demand rights for that yep. and so we now have a way for people to, fir- to filter by what's available for these virtual competitions and i think by creating a platform where it's easy to find to, to just know okay well this stuff is cleared we can use this and these are the different rights we can use it for that makes it so much easier <laughs> And those are the conversations that you're having with the rights owners about carving out which tracks are available for which things, which which bits of catalogue you can use for just the competition side, which bits are available if there's a VOD or a 
you know, yeah. an online casting side of things. And is that yeah, is that's what is that what's sending you all over the world? Going um, and seeing those people and cutting those deals or a bit. A bit, yeah. but I'm also a competitive cheerleader still. Nice. Um, so I'm involved in Paracheer, which is disability inclusive cheerleading. Okay. And my partner, he's a wheelchair user who started that division. He founded um, that part of the sport awesome. and got it into the World Championships in 2017 as an official division. So we also travel around the world helping national federations start their own teams by running workshops. But we also showcase at competitions around the world as well. Awesome. Where was the where was the last one of those? I'm guessing there hasn't been one recently. Yeah. The last time I yeah, I guess the last time I competed was November, which last year, which is sad. It was I think it was Austria or Norway. I can never remember which way round those trips were because they were so close together. It was either Austria or Norway. And how does a competitive cheerleading contest go? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, well, so we compete in partner stunt, which is just two people. Okay. Um, so, um, but, but normally cheerleading is sort of about 20 people. Yep. More, um, for the sort of full team cheerleading. And it's basically, you know, you go to the competition, there's a number of, teams competing so one after the other they basically perform music accompanies their routines and then at the end of each division um or various parts of the day they have the award ceremony so it's it's think of it like a, gym, a gymnastics meet yeah. i guess yeah, yeah very there's... similar in, uh, in terms of the structure of competition and, and, and all these performance sports are very much the same okay mentioned click and clear a lot uh you've mentioned the fact that you you yourself have set up multiple businesses so there was click and clear there's the um the synergy sounds uh, project yeah. as well uh how do you find setting up businesses because it's something that is quite daunting to most it's not something that everybody goes and does uh the music industry is full of freelancers and entrepreneurs uh, and it's kind of, I, I personally think that the music industry in 2020 is set up for freelancers and entrepreneurs and, and small business owners rather than the giant businesses. So I'm, I'm really keen to find out your experience of setting businesses up, what you found terrifying, what you liked, what you disliked, what you, where, where you managed to find the money from, kind of, I'm, yeah, just, just as much information as possible, please. Um, I love it. I love starting businesses and I love being in startups. Um, it is a, it is a challenge. Part of me wishes I did something easier. <laughs> um, Don't we all? And solving such a huge problem that no one's ever solved before, I think is definitely easier to just like create a product business. Um, you know, uh, it's got its own challenges, obviously, but yeah doing something no one's ever done before is a great challenge. You know, my first company was easier to start, um, but I absolutely love it. And in fact, I actually created another business <laughs> during lockdown. It's last week, um, nice. Yeah, like <laughs> put a business plan together for something else that 
um, piqued my interest in sort of the disability world. Okay. Um, which I'm looking at with my partner, and you know, it's just one of those things I'll get to when I have a bit more time, probably. But I yep. do love, I love creating solutions to big problems. And and what where's kind of for the, for those of us who haven't set businesses up, how does how does the process work for you? You know, where where does it start? How long? Does, did, how long did the process take for click and clear for example and what did you have to go through to get it not necessarily to where it is now but to get it when it was like it was self-sufficient and self-sustaining and and it was up and running yeah so i mean being up and running being self-sufficient are, are two different things mm. I'll, I'll, I'll go into that um, and I, I think it kind of depends on the type of business that you're wanting to start. You know, starting Synergy Sounds is a bit more of like a sole trader, freelance business. I didn't have to put too much thought into it. I created a business plan, but it wasn't like a massive, this is how this is going to be and I need to think about this technology. It was something I could just do on the side kind of thing. Yep. But for Click and Clear, it's much more of a, a bigger setup. So, and there's a lot more that I needed um, to, to actually get things going, as you say. So, you know, I had to get the business plan together. I had to figure out how to start financing the company. I had to um, take a look at the legal agreements that I'd put in place with the rights holders. What about the technology? So there were a lot of things I needed to think about. And I took a year, like almost an entire year looking at that mm -hmm. and looking at the market, like, is this even worth my time? You know, is there an, enough of a market here? Because yes, cheerleading was sued, but is that the only sport that this was relevant to? Yeah. Well, no, there was many others. And as we later found, you know, the sort of the market opportunity was huge. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a process of getting the business plan together. Um, of course, registering on company's house, which I feel like maybe I did a bit too early. In the process, you get excited. You start registering things, <laughs> registering things. You buy all the domains. I mean, I did it over lockdown, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was February 2017 when we signed our first label and publisher, and it just kind of went from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say we're not self-sustainable. We're we're a tech company for one. That costs a shit ton of money, um, so I had to get investment and having been made recently redundant, you know, in 2016, mm -hmm. I didn't have any money really of my own. I just put that into my house, into my flat that I bought. Um, so I ended up getting a government backed startup loan for, I don't know, I think it was 10 grand. Okay. I think it was about 10 grand. Not, not a lot. Um, just to support some of the smaller, um, like costs of the business. And then in October, 2017, I left Q, the second version of Q songs. My motorbike had been stolen. I'd had a cheerleading industry in, injury, sorry, a cheerleading injury where I injured all the ligaments in my ankle that I'd already had surgery on. Um, and I was like, well, this is a bit crap. Uh, what, what should I do about it? Um, I was, you know, couldn't really go out and try and find another job because I couldn't really go anywhere. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to spend two weeks and just working on click and clear. I'm going to see how it goes. And if after these two weeks, I feel like I can support myself and build the business and just do this full time, then that's what I'll do. I had a lot of response, like really positive responses from rights holders in that two week period, signed a bunch more. 
uh, labels and publishers, Synergy Sounds was able to support me on the side. And that's when I went full time into it. And I knew I needed to get investment in order to continue the business and build the tech that I wanted to build. Mm -hmm. And I met a potential angel investor at the end of that year, having had a previous conversation with somebody else earlier in the year. There's a story about that. And she said, so you feel free to look it up. Um, so I then met him in December and in May, he invested in my company and he's actually works for me full time. I went through two different rounds of me and is absolutely incredible person. Awesome. So got investment and that's what led me to being able to hire other people to help grow the business. And, you know, we're just about to close another investment round to help support the business again mm -hmm. through this next period. Um, grow the company a bit more, build on the technology. And I think that was it really. Not every company needs investment. Nope. It depends on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but I think doing something no one's ever done before and needing a lot of technology, it, it's kind of part of it. How long did it take you and the, the developers to get the tech right? I mean, you're always still getting it right. <laughs> it's never done. It yeah. is never done, constantly improving it. Um, but it, we actually had a little bit of a, a crap start with developers, not going to lie. I think December 2018 is when I hired my first in-house developer. And sadly, he had to kind of quit a month later due to health reasons. And right. then it took me six months to find another one. Okay. And so it was really a sort of a year and a half ago when we properly got started with our technology. Um, and so it's been, yeah, a year and a half of building what we've got. We've got three different tech platforms that all work together. Okay. Uh, we've got a lot of tech. Um, and as I said, it's just constantly improving it. And what's, what's the, the future hold in the perfect world for click and clear? Let's, let's kind of move, move the, the COVID shaped uh, cloud for one for one moment if let's say that you know 2021 competitive sport gets back uh, gets back working out is there uh, is, is are there areas of diversification that you've already earmarked as a possibility for the future um, are there white whales when it comes to like rights holders that you're still trying to land that you're hoping to go where's where's the next kind of 12 months taking you yeah, the next 12 months. Well, we're very much focusing on our sports right now and supporting them. What's unique about sport, the, the performance sports industries is they write the rules and guidelines for the, for the sport. So they can write us into their rules, essentially. Okay. Um, so we can ensure that these sports are doing things properly and, and they have many incentives to do so because you know they want to reduce um, legal risk, but they also want to increase participate, participation and engagement in their sport mm -hmm. through the use of music and being able to promote their sport online. So we're very much focusing on that. And we've got some deals that we're working on with some of the international federations that we need to deal with. Yep. Um, and outside of that, um, you know, it's, it's building on our technology. We've got a license verification system and it's kind of, it's almost like a content ID tool for okay. these sports events, but it's, it's really like a license management and verification tool. So it ingests the music mixes that teams make 
before going to competition yeah and it recognizes the music being used and then verifies that against the team's license agreements so okay. it delivers a fully audible trail of licensing at each of these competitions and Helpful. can create cue sheets yeah it creates cue sheets for in venue competitions it can create the cue sheets for the live streaming rights and this is why you know we're, we're very much best placed to be handling um this type of licensing surely that's something that could be retrofitted for other music uses as well yeah kind of so make it quite beyond, a lot easier to, to track that stuff yeah so to go beyond the 12 months i can't talk too much about it yeah. about our, our plans we have many plans um i love technology <laughs> Um, but yes, almost every part of our technology is in itself a commercialized product. product. Well, it's a product that could be commercialized. And I guess that's what I love. But that's also, and that's probably also the bit that uh, potential investors also probably like as well, which, yeah. which helps. Because obviously, especially when you're, when you're, when you're in, in the technology world, it, it, it's it's figuring out the the kind of the lateral uses for for technologies as well as the the specific solutions for the areas that you're that you're focused in to try and help them yeah. get some sort of white label stuff. Amazing, amazing. It's obviously a strange old time for the music industry and especially for those who are, who are getting into the music industry. Um, uh, yeah, education and mentoring and coaching is what pays my mortgage at the moment. And so this whole thing is very much geared towards those uh, new people who are currently at university and things like that. Is there any advice that you would give those people at the moment? Uh, who might want to be starting their own stuff up and things like that? I think, I mean, now's the best time to do that. You know, now's the best time to, to innovate and create solutions to problems. Out of, out of great change comes great opportunity. And you're never going to experience, well, it's unlikely that you'll experience such a drastic change in your life as you have these last few months and so you know it's it is that time to sort of shake things up and have a think well what is it that I really want for my life what is it that I want to focus on and just take the leap just have a go you've got nothing to lose mm -hmm. I think that's that's always what I tell myself is well I've I've got nothing to lose if I if I do this now okay there might be some things I have to sacrifice but I'm going to regret it in 10 years time if I didn't go down this route. And is there a specific process that those those individuals should be going through? Is there, you know, uh, you know what should what should they all do first? I guess if, they, if there's an idea in, in their head, what, what's what's the first step to take? Get it out of your head and onto paper. Simple as that. An idea in your head can't go anywhere mm -hmm. you know you've you've got to get it down on paper you've got to create a plan and seek help you know everyone wants to try and do things on their own but we're much better when we're working with others um and when you're having conversations with other people they'll be able to give you ideas and feedback as to how to make what you're wanting to do better so get it down think 
not everyone's good at writing. And I think that's something that me and my partner, you know, have kind of had challenges with in this new business idea we've been working on yeah. is he's not so good at writing, but I'm great at writing business plans. I'm quite happy to sit there and do that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I kind of recommended to him was, well, just get the bullet points. You know, what are your ideas? Just get it down, get your points down on paper. It doesn't have to make any sense yet. You can help, you can ask someone else to help make that make sense. Okay. But just try and get the key points out, what you're trying to achieve and, and do the research. If this is actually an idea you want to take seriously, then look into the numbers. Because if this is something you're going to go and get investment for, well, they really want to know the numbers. Yeah. Okay. Nice one. Last question. Uh, if if anyone, me included, is interested in checking out any competitive cheerleading and hearing some of your your work uh, and some of the mixes that your Synergy Sounds uh, are doing and also the music that you're licensing and things like that, where where is that stuff available to, to watch yeah. and listen to? So for my competitive cheerleading, if you want to watch me being thrown in the air by a wheelchair user, uh, you can find us on Wheelchair Partner Stunt. Um, that's a website, but also an Instagram. You can also follow my own Instagram, which is just linked through on there. Um, in terms of Synergy Sounds, I've got a SoundCloud account. I don't really update it so much these days. Um, the mixes are actually all available on Click and Clear, to be honest. Okay. So that's probably the best place to look. <laughs> uh, I did a Disney mix um, a Lovely. few weeks ago, and that was fun. But I've kind of not been, I haven't had as much time to be, to be working on all that right now. Uh, and then for Click and Clear, you can just go on to clickandclear.com. Uh, if you go to search music, that's where you'll find our licensing platform and have a little browse around there and you know, feel free to get in touch. Smash in. Thank you so much for having a chat with me today. Yeah, no worries at all. It's been great. Thank you for taking the time. Massive thank you to Chantel there for giving me some time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, As always, and as I'm sure I'm going to say multiple times uh, in these episodes, various links and things like that that were mentioned in the episode will always be in the episode descriptions. So please do check that out. Do check things out via Anchor. Um, That link will be also in the description below, things like that. Do come find me on Instagram at Dan M. Champion. Do email me at behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com. All that sort of stuff. Really, really appreciate you getting involved, getting in touch. Thank you very much. And I will speak to you again very, very soon.